Aaron. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Incoming Representative Michael Lawler of New York slammed Republicans holding out against Republican Representative Kevin McCarthy's bid for Speaker of the House on Wednesday. He said they have put their own selfish agenda ahead of the conference. They put themselves above everything else, he said, and they are costing conservatives around the country dearly. So, he said, these folks need to get serious. They need to wake up and realize that we're not rolling over. Well, a group of 20 Republicans blocked McCarthy's bid for the speakership across multiple ballots Tuesday and Wednesday, despite McCarthy agreeing to many of the proposals from the House Freedom Caucus. So the question is, do you agree with Michael Lawler on this issue? Be careful when you answer that question, friends, because that's what our program is about here today. Do you agree with Michael Lawler? Republican Representative Byron Donalds of Florida received 20 votes in the fourth and fifth ballots for a speaker, despite former President Donald Trump coming out in support of McCarthy. Today's program is not so much about Republicans, but it's about the way we think. It's not about the way Republicans think. It's about the way we as Americans think. Even Christian Americans. Even so-called politically conservative Americans. We don't want to get lost in the Republican weeds here today. Yes, this is all playing out in high drama There in Washington, D.C., under the Capitol Dome, all playing out in, uh, you know, it's like uh, a a battle at the OK Corral. But this time it isn't Republicans versus Democrats. It's Republicans versus Republicans or some other version of Republican or some other version of conservative or anything and everything in between. Another article came out saying most Republican voters can't stomach current party leader uh, party leaders, including the head of the Republican National Committee. They want to just cleanse the whole thing. They're furious about the failure of their party to deliver results in 2022, especially given the disastrous mismanagement of the country by the Biden administration, their allies in Congress. So voters believe the only way to hold the GOP accountable for its failures is to make way for new leadership. That, my friends, is the other side of the story. Kevin McCarthy does not represent new leadership. As a matter of fact, from many of the congressmen's viewpoint who have been around a while, not the newbies, but those who have been around a while, they believe that Kevin McCarthy is part of the swamp. They believe that that's exactly why we have the problems that we have. That he's not as bad as uh, the Republican head of the Senate, McCarthy, excuse me, uh, McConnell, but that these two leaders are not actually leading the way they need to be leading, and therefore we're going to get more of the same. Can you continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect change? 
We've been told that's the definition of insanity. So why is it that there's such a war going on here with very bad blood seeming to take place between and within the Republican Party itself? Well, others stand off and mock and uh, jest and uh, jeer, and uh, even within the Republican Party, some of those are making absolutely outrageous statements such as Dan Crenshaw. U.S. Representative Dan Crenshaw of Texas. He accused the opponents of Kevin McCarthy as terrorists. Really? Labels are libels, my friends. And that's one of the reasons why on this program we don't use labels. We try to be very careful about not to use labels, but discuss things on the basis of their merits or their issues rather than using labels. The moment you use a label like terrorist, you've also labeled yourself. You're the only anti-terrorist, or anybody that agrees with you is an anti-terrorist, and everybody else that doesn't agree with you is a terrorist. You see the problem. He overstepped the bounds beyond all reasonable bounds in making that claim. So... We're going to be talking about this issue throughout the program here today, and I'm glad that you've joined us. And this is true. This is good for both Republicans, Democrats, or shall we say nuns, those who are independents. Uh, it really doesn't matter because the issues that we're going to be talking about here today and that below the surface are the real issues that are taking place are worthy for every single one of us to consider. So here's my question before we go further. And it goes beyond whether or not Mr. Lawler, Michael Lawler, is to be agreed with concerning his slamming Republicans holding out against uh, Kevin McCarthy's bid for the Speaker of the House. My question to you is, was Jesus a peacemaker? (laughs) I threw you a curve, didn't I? Was Jesus a peacemaker? Well, it depends on what time you want to look at him and with what colored glasses you want to look at him. The reality is that Jesus, while being the prince of peace, was not necessarily a peacemaker. Did you know that? Because Jesus himself said, I came not to bring peace but a sword, to divide people against each other. What did he mean by that? He said, I came to divide a husband against a wife, parents against the children, and uh, so on. What was he talking about? He wasn't, obviously he wasn't talking about somehow making, entering into a compromising arrangement so that everybody could get along. Which leads us back to the words in that famous, I believe it was Time or Newsweek cover years ago from Los Angeles, can't we all get along? at the Watts riots? The answer is no, we can't all get along. Why is that? Because we have different viewpoints. We can't all get along and have peaceful coexistence if there are serious, serious issues that divide us. Jesus said we can't all get along. There comes a place in time where the truth has to divide. So, you'll notice that Jesus found it very 
relatively easy to get along with those who were not after his case, who weren't calling him a religious terrorist like the religious leaders of his day. They were essentially calling Jesus a religious terrorist but they because they accused him of blasphemy. That was, in effect, calling you a traitor to the Jewish nation, a terrorist. But Jesus said of them, in Matthew chapter 23, you are full of dead men's bones. You're whited sepulchers. You don't give a rip about the people. You don't care. You're here for a show. You're here to take advantage of your power, perks, and position. And God knows it. I know it. You know it when you're in, in reality. You know it. So you're a bunch of vipers and snakes. Mm, so much for Jesus, Prince of Peace. Now, what does that have to say to us today with regard to what's happening in Congress? It has everything to say. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Can't we all get along? Can our congressmen, even in the Republican Party, get along? And what is it that's keeping them from getting along? Many people see uh, politics as just the art of compromise. Doing the best you can with what you have, and there's a lot of truth in that. But how far can you compromise without actually destroying everything that you're there for? You get the point. See, there are an awful lot of people, and one of the things that I discovered as a Christian lawyer uh, when I was practicing law is that within the broader body of Christ, there is this idea that to achieve justice, you just, well, you just compromise on everything. No, you don't. There's truth to bear. If there's going to be justice, there has to be truth. No truth, no justice. Now, you can apply mercy to truth and achieve some sort of arrangement of compromise when truth is not ultimately sacrificed. But if you're going to sacrifice truth on the altar of can't we all get along, so-called peace, no, that is not biblical peace, friends. That's not the kind of peace that Jesus gives. In fact, Jesus didn't give that kind of peace at all. He said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. He was talking about peace in the inner heart, in the inner being, because we're reconciled with God. We're no longer carrying the burden of sin. Isn't that what he was talking about? So Jesus himself was called, even before he was born, the Prince of Peace. But... Think about this. In Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it says this. For unto us a child was born, and unto us a son was given, and the government, notice the word, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Upon whose shoulders? Upon the Sanhedrin, 71 members of the elders of Israel? No, 
upon Jesus' shoulders. Well, who is Jesus? The Prince of Peace. Do you think that Jesus' government is going to make everybody feel good? Absolutely not. If Jesus' government was going to make everybody feel good, then why was he crucified? He didn't make everybody feel good. Just the opposite. Those who felt bad ultimately felt good, and those who felt good ultimately felt bad. Why? Because it was a matter of the heart. He helped people who were outcasts and outsiders to be reconciled to God so that they might have peace. But to those who thought that they were the insiders, the religious leaders of his day and so on, they didn't feel that peace at all. They thought he was a terrorist. He was an insurgent. He was selfish. He was prideful. He just didn't respect the traditions of the House and the Senate. (laughs) You never thought you'd hear it like that, did you? But this is how we need to understand as Christians. We really need to see things from a kingdom viewpoint. When Jesus prayed that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what he was really saying was, may the government of God come. And it's going to come through the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the only Messiah, the only healer, the only deliverer, the only uh, bearer of truth, But you see, if we don't agree with that, then we have no peace. Not real peace. Not the kind of peace that Jesus offered, but the kind of peace that the world is looking for. Can't we all just get along and compromise? Can't we all just get about our business? This is the language that I'm hearing continually from uh, many of those in the House, uh, many new members in the House, they're so eager to get about the business of Congress because they're newbies. They don't fully recognize the depths of the swamp. They do not recognize the depths of how far the politics in Washington have become corrupted and why. After election, after election, after election, and changing parties, changing Congress, changing the presidency, nothing ever really seems to happen unless you get a Donald Trump in there, and then they don't like him either. You get the message? So, there are 20 holdouts in Congress. The 20 holdouts in Congress... You can say, well, with Mr. Lawler, you can say, well, they're just there because of their pride, because they're selfish. They just want what they want. Is that really true? Or is there something of great value that they are holding out for that the rest of the folk who just want to get along and get on with business as usual don't? recognize, or if they recognize it, have not the necessary holy boldness to stand for what is necessary to bring the change we can really believe in. Therein lies our problem. 
We see this happening in the church all over the place. I've grown up in the church from coast to coast, friends. I've been on the inside, not only from the standpoint of uh, church congregations, but also from the standpoint of church organizations, educational organizations. I've been on the boards of many, many different organizations, Christian organizations, and the same problem exists there that exists in the Congress. People just want to get along. Don't upset the apple cart. Can't we just let it be business as usual? I want to give you an illustration, friends, and I I don't think I've given this illustration on the air or even in public before. But many years ago, around 1980, I was on the board of a significant Christian university. And I was raised up in the board to a number of the most prominent uh, levels of service in that board and even was called to do a spiritual life task force to study the entire university, even as a lawyer. That's what I was called to do. It almost cost me my law practice. I invested so much time and energy in that effort because I wanted to see Christ honored and truth lifted up to protect the interests of the uh, university whose motto was God first. I want you to think about that. Now, in America, we say one nation under God. It's kind of like a, a cultural way of saying God first. So this particular university's motto was God first. It was born in righteousness and the pursuit of holiness and the kingdom of God. But by the time I came on the board, leadership, even on the board of directors, most of them had been there for years, maybe as much as 20, 25 years. There were lawyers. There were uh Theologians, renowned people, very successful business people, all on this board of directors. And then an issue came up. Now, I want to share with you just one issue, because this issue will help us to understand the dynamics of what is taking place in the Congress. The issue was this, why don't we change our legal status as a university from religious to public benefit? Aren't we about the public benefit? And we can actually grow the university better if we're called public benefit and not labeled with religious Immediately, I saw the problem. I saw right through the whole motivation of it. 
The motivation of it was not about God first. It wasn't even about the kingdom of God. It was about building a secular university in the name of Christ. It was about pride, power, perks, position. It wasn't relying upon God to do things, but we're going to change things, so we're going to, shall we say, all get along to make things feel good with the culture. And so I stepped up as one of the as the youngest person on that board at that time. But I was also on major committees of the board, including the nominating committee. And here's what happened. I said, gentlemen, why would we give up the best protection that we have under the law, that is, the religious category as a university, why would we do that when it's the best protection we have for the from the interference of government, the controlling interference of government, when we don't have to? Why would we do this? There's no legitimate motivation for this. Not under God. And as I spoke, they said, okay, we're going to table the matter, and we want you to do a legal brief. Come back to us for our next meeting with a legal brief to help us to analyze this situation. And so I did. I came back with the legal brief. Now, bear in mind, I've already upset the apple cart that the president of the university had on his agenda to grow this university rapidly as a quasi-secular university in the name of Christ. So, when I came back and I presented this, my points and authorities and my legal brief, and I shared it with the board, they voted against the president's will. They said, why should we give up our religious designation when this is the most secure thing that we have given the atmosphere, and this was over 30 years ago now, 40 years ago. This was a long time ago. But even then, the atmosphere was against Christian organizations. And so they decided we're not going to go along. Well, behind the scenes, that stirred up the ire of the Pharisees. Those that wanted the appearance of religiosity, but wanted to embrace a secular mind and heart set to grow the university. Because of that, even though the decision of the board was affirmative for my position, it caused the f- <laughs> the flames of hell to arise in leadership to the point where I was summarily removed from the board, even in the midst of the nominating committee meeting, without even a vote. It was the most unbelievable thing ever to happen in that university. And it was seven years later that the vice president of the board, also an attorney, came to me privately 
at my law office and said, Chuck, I want to, on the behalf of our university, ask you to forgive us for what we did to you. Now, was I an agent of peace? Well, it depends on how you look at it. Among those who had been there on the board for 20 years, 15 years, and were used to saying, aso, 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 to the uh, present leadership and so on, uh, it stirred up a hornet's nest for a while. But then they began to see there was reason for doing that. There was reason for standing firm, not giving in, so that everybody could feel good at the moment. And I believed it saved that university for 25 years before they started going woke. It's just an illustration. We'll get back to the Congress. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Again, the question is, was Jesus the agent of peace? Was he a peacemaker or was he a warmonger? Did he stir up trouble? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. The answer is both and. Yes, he was the agent of peace from God's viewpoint, the Father's viewpoint. But also from the Father's viewpoint, he stood for the kingdom of God not the kingdoms of men. He stood for God's viewpoint, not man's viewpoint based on power, perks, and position. He was willing to stand alone. Now, when you look at the 20 people there in Congress that are standing and refusing to back down in the uh advancement of Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. And by the way, I'm not making any negative, I have no negative thoughts about uh, Kevin McCarthy. Seems to be a nice guy. But you see, nice guys are not necessarily what God is looking for. We tend to think that God is more interested in nice guys. Well, John the Baptist, friends, was not a nice guy. And the religious leaders despised him, and so did the secular leaders, including Herod, who took his head off. God is not impressed with nice guys the way we think of it. He's impressed with people who are willing to stand and having done everything to stand, to stand, having their loins girt about with truth. 
and carrying on the breastplate of righteousness. Yes, with the shield of faith and so on. He doesn't want us to go out and be troublemakers in that sense. But he does want us to be willing to stand for that which is right, that which is good, and not to give up just to make people feel good at the moment. Now, I want to share with you an article that came out by uh, Michal Massey. He's a black gentleman who writes for World Net Daily periodically. He says, Christian conservatives have learned nothing about despicable GOP. He said, I predict the American people are on the verge of making a mistake that will result in the dust and ashes of the great experiment that was named the United States of America. American voters, especially those who claim to be Christian conservatives, have notoriously short memories, and more often than that would vote for the devil if they were told doing so would keep a Democrat out of office. The problem is very often Republicans they're told to support, like Mitt Romney and Mitch McConnell, who are actually have become their enemies. Moving forward from President Reagan's leaving office to the present, there had been only one president who fought for we the people. That was Donald Trump. The late Herman Cain was cut from the same cloth as Reagan and Trump. But the adage, no good deed goes unpunished, was used to destroy his candidacy. But it's a fact that the Karl Rove Bush wing of the so-called Republican Party is comprised of big government, big spending globalists, new world order, one world government advocates. And he's right. This fact has been cleverly concealed with the help of misinformation by Fox News, Hannity, and so on. He's right there as well. That's why I no longer listen to Sean Hannity. He's too interested in playing the corporate game, as if somehow the Republican Party by itself is the Messiah. The Republican Party post-Reagan was nothing more than a de facto liberal party masquerading as a conservative construct for the purpose of stalling the Democratic advancement. Tax cuts and Second Amendment rights are the red meat that devilish Republican political merchandisers peddle to rally support to their side of the aisle, fully knowing it's all a charade. Mr. Massey goes on to say, I personally witnessed the Bush-Rove machinations attempting to recast the Republican Party into the proponent arm of globalism and a one-world government. He said, I warned the Tea Party groups nationwide that Bush and Rove were committed to destroying the movement. There, that is, the Tea Party movement. And they did destroy it. He says, I wrote back in 2011, the Republican hierarchy isn't concerned about values, conservative or otherwise. They are singularly concerned about getting and retaining power. The Internet has, for the most part, been scrubbed of the Bush-Rove Big Tent plans. The object was to establish a political construct that welcomed everything the Democratic Party supported and promoted, only to do so under a supposed Republican conservatism. 
It was Rove's argument that this was needed to draw more voters to the Republican side and to show we could all get along. He figured it was enough of them that came forward. Their numbers would silence the true conservative voters. So in other words, Karl Rove, George W. Bush were not true conservatives. I knew that and saw that firsthand in George W. Bush's appearance at the national, uh, at the, the, uh, uh, broadcasting, Christian broadcasting convention in Dallas. Instead of supporting a Christian standard, he just winked at the 2,000 Christians that were there to make them think he was on their bandwagon. Then later, after his presidency, his wife said, I never heard him say he was an evangelical Christian or born-again Christian. The only reason Obamacare still exists is because Republicans, led by Karl Rove, raised boatloads of money, claiming if we helped them regain Congress, they would overturn it. We did, and they lied. Obamacare not only still exists, but the very candidates Republican supporters helped elect to overturn the legislation fought President Trump's efforts to dismantle it. Why? Because it was all about trying to get along and make nice. Mr. Massey goes on to say, I know this will be a hard truth for many to understand or believe, but I do not say it because I enjoy it. I say it because it is true. I've been around Capitol Hill in politics too long not to see this for what it is. I took heat for saying the same thing in 2010, but less than three months into things, my words were viewed as prescient. My brutal honesty cost me television appearances, invitations to dinners, charities, gala events, all of which I always resolutely refused to attend anyway, and it cost me much money. My singular objective was to inform you, the people. If I was interested in being popular, I would sell my soul and become an ideologue. Bush Rove raised $1 million the day before the Wyoming election for Representative Liz Cheney in her effort to defeat Native Wyoming candidate Harriet Hageman. Now, Rove and the Bush wing of the Republican Party are plotting to resurrect Jeb Bush as a viable presidential candidate. It seems the American people have somehow forgotten the great things President Trump did while in office. And Christendom is ignoring the word of God, which makes clear that the entire world is going to be destroyed by fire and all that exists on it. Nothing is going to be saved. Not the idea that America and this world are going to be saved. Michael Massey is telling us the truth, the hard truth. We've been saying these things on Viewpoint for years now in a different way. But push has come to shove now. Now, listen to this. Dick Morris, he was the right-hand man for Bill Clinton and his elections. Then he turned around and most recently said he was supporting Donald Trump and wrote a book to support Donald Trump. But now Dick Morris says to Newsmax 
McCarthy holdouts are destroying their political careers. In other words, what Mr. Morris is interested in, Dick Morris, he's only interested in retaining your power in Congress, your place in Congress. That's power, perks, position. That, to him, is the big deal. He's not interested in truth. He's not interested in genuine conservative thinking. He's not interested in the Republican Party being a truly Christian version of conservatism and so on, and that the values of Christians are represented. That's not interesting to him at all. It's just us against them. So he called former President Donald Trump to call the House of Representatives to back McCarthy. And he said it was timely and very significant. But he said that those 20 that are holding out are destroying their political careers. Friends, if they knew and were conscious that they're destroying their political careers, then how can they be called selfish? No, it's the others that are selfish. If anybody is selfish, it's the others that are selfish because they're willing to sacrifice the future in order to get along in the present. Are you understanding this? What they're doing, they're becoming the Esau's of American politics. They're willing to sell their political souls for a mess of political pottage or purported peace now. Are you beginning to understand? This is a serious matter. Now, it is interesting that Donald Trump came out, I think it was today, and said that those on both sides, there are a lot of uh, serious patriots there. And what's going on is important. Friends, it's more important than you could possibly imagine. It's more important than so-called getting things done. The most important thing to get done now is to secure truth for the future. Something we can rely upon to do what they say and say what they're going to do with honesty. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Perhaps this is a time for me to mention our book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Because seduction and deception comes in 
in many ways, friends. And what we're seeing playing out in this high drama at in Washington, D.C., in the name of the Republican Party, is nothing short of a display of how easily it is to be willing to be deceived. To go along to get along so that we can supposedly get things done. Whatever that means. What does that mean? Get things done? Maybe the best thing is not to get anything done for a while. Because everything time Congress gets something done, it's not for the best interest of the American people. It's unconstitutional. It's corrupt. It's dishonest. It's completely contrary to what they said they were going to do. Is that the kind of thing that you want to get done? Oh, come on. We are so easily deceived. And there's a will to be deceived. Have you noticed that? If that were not true, we wouldn't have such an uproar. And what is fascinating is so many of those, as I've listened to the pundits, various pundits, conservatives, conservative pundits, they just can't seem to get their their act in order as to what's going on. And they'll scream and holler and mock the 19 that are standing there uh, trying to stand for principle. And they don't care about principles. All they care about is an alleged peace at the moment. Friends, there is no peace without principles. It's an illusion. It's a delusion. You might want to consider getting a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints. Some have said it's the most important book they've ever read, other than the Bible. I didn't say that, but some of our listeners have said that. Uh, urge you to get a copy. It's a an $18 book, yours, for $15 on the website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. It's going to open your eyes to so much and help you to think biblically, help you to think from a kingdom viewpoint rather than a worldly viewpoint. Jesus said, the peace that I'm offering is not of this world. It's not that kind of peace. Jesus said, I came to bring peace, not peace, but a sword. Really? When was the last time you heard that preached? Other than mentioned on this program. But it's just as valid as anything else Jesus said, isn't it? But we just didn't want to hear it. Because it didn't bring temporary feelings of peace at the moment. But there was a reason Jesus said it. And it's the reason Jesus said it that we really don't want to deal with. Our pastors don't want to deal with it. And so we find Christians increasingly being deceived, seduced by the ways of the world, and being distorted, led away like the Pied Piper over the spiritual cliff so that they will not be ready for the second coming of Christ. They're going to be like the five foolish virgins. Hate to put it so bluntly, my friends. Obviously, you can see there's nothing scripted about this program. Not today or ever. The book, Seduction of the Saints, $15 on the website, saveus.org. 
saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Well, the latest news is Kevin McCarthy came up short on the eighth vote today. He came up short on the eighth vote for Speaker of the House. Do you know how serious this matter is? Do you know who would be president of the United States if Joe Biden were to pass out of the way and something were to happen to Kamala Kamala Harris? You know who would be president? The Speaker of the House, friends, under the Constitution. This is not just about coordinating uh, the Congress people This is about something even more important than that. This is a very big deal. And that's why 20 people are saying, look, we played this game over and over and over again. It's time for us to get serious. We are not going to capitulate unless we secure trustworthy leadership for the next generation. That's what they're working for. So, Representative Fallon, Texas Congressman Pat Fallon, says he's ready to vote uh, in Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker if the GOP majority approves a new rule that would allow five members of the House majority to force a vote of no confidence in their leader. He also voiced disappointment in the omnibus spending package passed by the Senate that insisted he insists it's at odds with the interests of the constituents. He said they wear their powdered wigs, they speak with their British accents, we're the people's house and we're far more accountable because we are on two-year terms. He says we're the closest thing to the people, that is the congressman. He said, I'm hearing what people in the 4th District of Texas are saying. They're saying, Fallon, fight socialism, get a speaker, get sworn in and then do what you're going to do. Yeah, but how are you going to do it if you have business as usual from the leadership? It ain't going to happen. That's the problem. So, where do we stand now? Where do we stand now? Somebody might say, well, why do you think Donald Trump broke the silence on McCarthy and wanted to uh, support uh, Kevin McCarthy? Why would he do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he believed that Kevin McCarthy was the most likely one to become Speaker of the House. And then, if McCarthy became Speaker of the House, then it would be, Trump would be in a much better position as a presidential candidate or as a new president to be able to carry out his agenda with the support of a man who had already supported in a war for Speaker of the House. Hello, are you listening? On the other hand, he's saying also that these people who are standing up against this are true patriots. They're not terrorists. Would it be nice if everybody got along and we didn't have to go through this? Yes. 
But friends, this is what real democratic republicanism is about. It's not about everybody just getting along. Did you know that the 20 are insisting that they have at least 72 hours to review any bill before they have to vote on it? Do you know that they haven't had that? That it can be just shoved in their faces and say, vote on it, they don't even know what's in it. Did you know that? Did you know that's how your Congress has been run, even by Republicans? Come on. Maybe we need to get more informed about what's really going on. So, today, a group of nearly 50 conservative heavyweights co-signed a statement yesterday calling to change the status quo in Washington and applauded the 20 members of Congress who voted against House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, thus sinking his bid for House Speaker after six rounds of votes. So now they've been through eight rounds and they can't get it together. These 50 people represent the millions of voters across the country who are disgusted with the business-as-usual, self-interested governance in Washington. We stand beside the 20, they said, beside them in their courageous efforts to find a Speaker of the House who will represent the interests of conservatives. We encourage more conservative members to join their ranks. So, who do you agree with? Do you agree with the statement of the one congressman that uh, contended that the 20 that are standing their ground are just selfish and not interested in the future of the American people? Or are you beginning to see that maybe, just maybe, many of those that of the majority are the selfish ones? or more selfish, because they're more interested in, well, just getting it on. We don't want to be troubled with all of this stuff. We don't want to be that interested in truth. We don't want to actually force the issue here. We don't want to play that game. We just want to get on with business as usual. Hmm. Fascinating. One of the holdouts against voting for Representative McCarthy today threw the name President Donald Trump into the mix for Speaker of the House. Representative Matt uh, Gates from Florida. It comes as a break for the faction of 20 House Republicans who have been voting for his fellow Florida Republican Representative Byron uh, Donalds. What's going to happen? We don't know. Trump endorsed McCarthy. But McCarthy can't get the votes. Getz says, this doesn't change my view of McCarthy or of Trump. What's going to happen? I hope that they will press forward and not give up until... They secure something resembling that which will compel the Republican Party and its leadership 
to run from business as usual and to run from the corruption of selfish interests that has driven not only the Republican Party, but the Democrat Party. And that at least somebody will stand in the evil day. At least somebody will stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Having their loins girt about with as much truth as they can muster. So what say you? Where do you stand? Was Jesus a peacemaker? Yes and no. He will ultimately be the peacemaker when he comes and returns. But what you perhaps don't know is that after his millennial reign, even Jesus will have an uprising against him, unprecedented uprising against the Prince of Peace. You've got to be kidding me. No, that's what the Bible says about Jesus. Yes, Jesus was born the Prince of Peace. He was born to bring peace into our lives, into, but only on his terms, you see. Not whether you agree with him in order to get peace. No. He says, look, come, let's reason together. When he says that, what does he mean? He means, look, I'm God. I'm your Messiah. I'm your Savior. I am truth incarnate. Don't you think it would be a good idea for you to agree with me instead of trying to do your own thing or take what I say bits and pieces? You know what? Doing that, friend, you will have no peace. Men will cry peace, peace, but there will be no peace until we agree to submit our hearts and homes to God. Through Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints. $15 will put the $18 book in your hands. It'll be very helpful to you. Life-changing, I believe. Saveus.org. Write to us. Become a partner, friends. Push is coming to shove. Things are getting tougher and tougher. You can join with us and make a huge difference by being a partner and praying for us as well. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.